coming to you live. It's the Believe in the South Side. I am Steve-O. You can find me on Twitter, at DrunkShySoxFan. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Carrie. Who... Hi, Steven. There we go. Hi, Carrie. Sorry, I was... Um... I'm not feeling the best, so I was, you know, blowing my nose. I don't know if that would be appropriate to um, just, just doing the microphone. the microphone. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. But uh, what's going on, Steve? Nice to be back on the uh, on the show with you here. Um, you know, I plugged the show with uh, Herb on CHGO. Absolutely, that was a was blast to listen to. But this isn't about me. no, or this me. is about our buddy, one of my favorite people on the Bird app. We got Recovering Prof on Twitter, right? It's Recovering Professor. Yeah. Right? Um, Jesus H. Strawman himself. Jesus H. Strawman. I never know what people know. I feel like more people know me as Jesus H. Strawman than uh, Recovering Prof. Prof. Nobody really looks at the handle. Yeah. So I never really know what to say, though. I never know which one to put. Regardless, it's nice to... uh... It's nice to have the comment section rolling already a minute and a half. For those of you that don't tune in regularly and listen to us on your podcast, that's great. You know, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. But know that we are a live podcast. We are on YouTube every single episode. And the comment section is always live. Um, Prof, we're so glad to have you with us. Can you run us through your name? Jesus H. Strawman. Is that like a reference to something? I I know. I mean, I uh, I enjoy fallacies. Uh, yes. Not that's fallacies, not you know. Uh, but uh, oddly enough, and I don't know, she could not be real. But some lady that I was, some lady that I was, uh, that I'm, I'm friends on Twitter with, is apparently a like Australian sports reporter like the first female sports reporter and she said jesus h straw man one day or i i might have said it and she was like that should be your new your new handle and so i put it on there and it's kind of stayed there there you go that's yeah. a great story honestly yeah. it's, I feel got, like once, it's got some know, meaning yeah. yeah um uh we're glad to have you you can find yeah. our guy here jesus h straw man on uh on twitter at bird recovering app. prof on the bird app yes <laughs> senior Yes, at recovering prof, uh, because he is a recovering prof teacher that's back in the business Ugh, as a teacher great. now. Teacher. Welcome back to education. Thanks, thanks. It's been good teaching little squirts PE. Absolutely, absolutely. Are you liking this more than you know your your old dean of discipline role that you had? Oh, 100%. Back in the day? I can do fun things and uh, you know uh, teach kids exercise and they're happy all the time and. You know, uh, it's been. I had you as a PE teacher. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I get to work with two other PE teachers, and we pretty much co-teach all day, so they're good people too. So, um, yeah, I definitely like this better than you know disciplining kids and suspensions and yeah, truancy and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Um, Carrie. What kind of kid were you in PE class? Were you the kid that tried really think? hard? What do I look like? Were you the kid that just sat on the uh, sat on the bench? Let's like, just the say time? let's just say with no 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 no. I participated in every sport besides the running. So whenever it was the mile or the pacer test, I was like, nah, I got better things to do. So I'd either get on tr- get in trouble on purpose to get out of it, or you know, fake an injury to get out of it. So that's the best way out of running. But when it was like dodgeball, all that shit, definitely out there. Yeah, exactly. I was the kid who 
probably tried way too hard in PE class, of especially, you know, even when it came to the running stuff, a hundred percent. So what kind of, what kind of kid were you in PE class? Prof? Uh, I don't think I wore jeans until I was in like seventh grade because I would wear switch pants all the time. Oh, right. I love you never know when a game of like basketball or something was going to break out and you need to go out there and play. So mm-hmm. wait, did was, you say, did you say swish pants? Like, you know, like the, 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 you're walking. The track <laughs> pants. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. God. So I, and plus jeans just weren't comfortable. They're still not comfortable. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. We, we've got some new, uh, people in the comment section. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad that, uh, they decided to join. Um, well, let's hop right into it. Let's, let's talk a little white Sox baseball, but first prof, I want to hear about your white Sox fandom. How the hell did you become a white Sox fan? And why are you a masochist? Uh, I was born in 83, so those jerseys that are played out too much uh, these days, that should change. Uh, I got a picture of me. I think it was my my avatar for a while as like a five-month-old in a White Sox shirt. So uh, that 83 jersey, but for a baby. So I've been, I don't know, my dad, my dad, I don't remember exactly what it was, um, but something about the Cubs just like uh, – buried him with the Cubs and he decided to switch allegiances back in like the seventies. And so he passed that allegiance or curse onto me. And, uh, you know, I am a miserable shit as a result. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, it's also good to know that. Oh, wow. The comment section again, I'm sorry, but it's seriously this, the, I think everybody, I, I know it's the same for you too, Carrie. Like this, this fandom has been passed down to us, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, really is unfortunate, honestly, especially with the way this team has performed the past <laughs> almost two decades. Um, Brian, what, what outside of 2000, everybody's favorite White Sox memory, even mine as a 10 year old at the time, was the White Sox winning the World Series, right? Outside of winning the World Series, what has been your favorite White Sox memory as a fan? Oh man, uh, probably. Well, first of all, the White Sox won. I say this all the time. It probably could be used against me to make fun of me, but White Sox won Game Three and Game Four of the World Series on my twenty-second birthday. So I, I have that nice reminder every year on my birthday that the White Sox won the World Series. The twenty-fifth, twenty-sixth uh, of October. Twenty-sixth of October. Twenty-sixth, yeah. 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 So because if everyone remembers that Game Three went into one o'clock, fourteen innings. So. Um, what right? wasn't it 14 innings? I think, yeah, game three, yeah, 14. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Blum, Blum. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, honestly, the uh, <laughs> the Jim Tomey blackout game is up there. Um, the yeah, there. the blackout game that was, was awesome. a great game, and then I would say, uh, the Mark Old Burley people. perfect game against uh, the Rays. I was coaching down in Florida at the time, and I remember texting. One of my, I had a, this little lefty that was on my team, and I texted him. I'm like, "Hey, you want to watch a left-hander who's not big work, you know, and work at a certain pace? You know, tune in. The game just started, and he tuned in, and he ended up watching, you know, from inning one to ninth inning of a perfect game. So it was, yep. made me look smarter so, than I am, but humble brag. But uh, I was at. Both Burley perfect game and no hitter, and the Rodon no hitter, yeah, and we the were there. and the blackout game, and that's I think why this shitty organization just pulls me back in. You know, like I'm like, 
I've had too many good moments where I can't just drop this fan. Well, you know, I like, definitely separate most of the shitty ownership with yeah. the players. Like, honestly, the players have been, I would say, obviously, for a lot of reasons, we soured a little bit on them last year because they underperformed so much. Uh, I mean, at least I did. And, but that's the reason why, like, I stuck with the team during the Tony years, to be honest, <laughs> because he's so unlikable and he made the team so much unlikable, but the players were still super likable, you know, Aloy. And mm-hmm. like, as soon as Aloy comes back to the lineup after a lengthy absence, it like immediately makes you feel better because the dude is just happy all the time. And mm-hmm. when he's not diving into, you know, fish nets, he's, he's making you happy. He's doing things on the baseball. Yep. Field. Yeah, or karate, karate kicking the left field wall, or uh-huh. you know, trying to rob homers in spring <laughs> training games. Defender. <laughs> I think exactly. the only injury last, like the one last year, was the only one that like kind of like was it was unfortunate. You know, the other stuff he could right. have kind of avoided. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, and you know, some of the stuff that they've had have been kind of fluky. You know, a lot of them have been like soft tissue injuries and stuff, where it's like, which are the bad ones. Like yeah, for long yeah maybe you can change your diet or the the routine or exercise and stuff, but like it's not like they're sitting out for it's not like it's a Fernando Tatis situation. Yeah. I would never want him to be on the White Sox or in their organization at all. I'm glad he's never been. On after this, I mean, it's <laughs> gonna be. Me, by the way, I was, oh, you yeah. are okay. I was like, whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa. The talent is give me the steroids. I don't no. care. So no, for well, no, but he's he's just gotten injured and stupid stupidly well aloy is your guy right i mean you got a a pet at home right yeah and honestly too it's my daughter she's she's the one that's always palling around with me at the game she's 13 she loves aloy and she named the cat aloy so so are you an aloy to dh fan oh yeah they they should when he goes to spring training someone should take his glove and hide it yeah. And never allow him to even take reps in the outfield anymore. It, I mean, I, ultimately, it's to save him for his own good. Like, I fully believe that you can win a championship with Aloy in left field if you have parts around them and it, that right. can bash the ball. I mean, Manny Ramirez was one of the worst left fielders ever. He had a little bit of a crutch with the, the left field wall being the – that was that's a hard wall to play. But if it's over your head, you know it's a double. You know what I mean? So it takes a lot of thinking out of the equation, a lot of the space. But they can win with Aloy in left field. Uh, they just have to get a lot better around them. But I've seen in order worse. to save himself from twisting an ankle or, dive again, diving into a net, you know, take his take his glove away and hide it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't afford to have Aloy in left field and then carry's guy, Gavin Sheets, uh, his oh, corner boy. infielder in right field. Um, That's so so I, I, I got to ask, Prof, a scale of 1 to 10. How much faith do you have in the, the current roster construction right now? Obviously, they've lost Jose Abreu. They've gained Mike Clevenger. We don't know how the money that was going to be spent on Abreu is going to be spent. Scale of 1 to 10, how much faith do you have in this team making it to the playoffs? Making Next it to year, the playoffs? In 23. In 23. It's hard to say with this current roster construction. Yeah. Um because they're not, they're obviously not good enough. They got worse with the Jose Abreu loss. Right. They, they haven't done anything to supplement that um, or to correct that. But I mean, I don't understand how Rick kept, kept his job. I mean, I do because there's loyalty with Gary, but like they're one of two teams 
in the two from 2010 to 2019 to not make the playoffs to not make the playoffs and i understand that there was a rebuild in there but there wasn't a rebuild before that and now you extend that and they miss the playoffs in their window of contention they've made the playoffs twice and they and, were 500 that was it too yeah, not like they even fighted for a playoff game like what? 12 games it's like they Cleveland. won 100 games like the mets did you know and didn't win their division you know like that's different. I'd be okay if that's what happened. Or like, year. think about the 2006 White Sox, right? That was a yeah, 90, 90 win games. team. I would be okay right? with that, you know? Yeah, but... Some bad luck in there, you know? Yeah. And I'm not even asking for a World Series. I understand how difficult it is to win a World Series. Just make the I mean, playoffs I don't personally. and then see what happens. But there's zero reason in your window of freaking contention after tanking for five years yeah. and just making us watch god-awful baseball. That you're gonna you're gonna miss the playoffs and there's no accountability for that other than yeah. the manager retiring, like I, this is this is why it's just hard to believe in the organization in general. I don't believe in Rick Hahn. I don't. Yeah. You know, Kenny caught lightning in a bottle once. Their 2016 was good, but not good enough. Like I understand. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, the money will be spent. Quote. Just it pains my ass. Because it's like, yeah, it will be spent, but in nickel and diming. We're not going to ever push big stacks of chips into the middle. Exactly. We're, we're, well, we're going to do things at our speed. There's never a willingness did. to spend on the superstar. No, but what he did thing. was he spent the money, but he spent it wrongly on, on keeping the core of the team intact longer, right? Yeah. That's not what you should have done. You don't see any of these other teams doing that. I, I mean, the Braves now are doing it, but they've won a World Series already. You know, now you're just like, hell yeah. Like, fuck yeah, this team's already great. Let's keep on going with this, right? Like, the Sox haven't proven anything. That's why I was like, why do we... Like, Yoan's going to make, what, $25 million this year? $17 million or something? I don't know. It's anywhere from 17 to 25 And, you know, Luis is making, you know, more than what they would have in arbitration even right so yeah. he spent the money but wrongly of course yeah i mean i'm not even upset about that it's the other players too to supplement that that are here's really here's the head scratchers it always seems like with rick Hahn teams he focuses at the major league level while completely ignoring drafting and free agency at that point and it's like you you can only build a core so much before, because you're going to be wrong uh-huh. You're wrong. And so you have to go out and get proven free agents. So, you, uh, Look, I know the Dodgers have an unlimited budget, but they still have a top 10 farm system. Yep. They still draft well. They still uh, trade. They, they're in the premium free agent market. Like they're in on all three of those things. And, and Rick ignores mm-hmm. wings of those. And they just lost Trey Turner, right? They lost Trey Turner. If the Sox lost a player like Trey Turner, it's like start the rebuild. You know, yeah. like they just lost Trey Turner. They lost Manny Machado a few years ago. People even like just forget about that. You know, like it's just it's just unreal to me. And and they continue and continue to just churn out talent while the Sox are like, we just lost Jose Abreu and now we're fucked. This is Rick you know? plan almost every yeah, year. Yeah, it's the White Sox yeah. plan. I hope, hope and pray. You stay healthy if. If the two first basemen in fucking right field can just learn defense just a little bit, like yeah. everything's cross your fingers. There's no he, Rick doesn't go after the sure things. He doesn't 
And that's the other frustrating part about it, too, is 2020 and last year. Like, the division was wide open. It's like, here, come take a stranglehold of the division. Come get it. And Rick and Jerry and company were just like, nah, we'll play it to where if things break right for us, then we can win the division. It's like it's like a conditional conditional success. We're, we're, we're willing to be successful, but we're going to do it cheaply or we're going to do it not going after free agents or just right. kind of helping things work out. And if it doesn't, eh, we'll be back. No, well, for sure. Going into that though, and Steve, you know, I I know this is one of the questions you were gonna ask too. Yeah, I think you're right? about to go where I was yeah. about to go. Well, because he mentioned it, you know, you know, you mentioned it, prof, is that you know you mentioned about the coaching staff, right? And like, you know, can the coaching staff make the outfield better, right? The coaching staff's different now, right? Tony's gone and um uh who's gone? McEwing's gone, right? Frank Medicino, think. God is gone. How much do you believe in this new coaching staff and how much do you think it's going to actually matter? So I am in the camp of managers don't matter that much with on-field performance, like as a whole. Like I, I do believe that even the best managers probably only affect their win-loss by, you know, one, two, three games, whatever it is. Uh, because ultimately it's the players that play. It's the players that do things. I also don't blame the hitting coach when they're not hitting, you know, um, even though Frank Manichino, you know, probably didn't help. Um, but ultimately I'm happier that like, I, I saw Tony willingly cost them games in the last two years, which was frustrating to watch because a manager shouldn't matter as much as he did at times, you know, with the intentional walks on two strike count. Trey Turner. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. But it, it, he made himself matter more than he should have with just ineptitude. But, uh, you know, if the front office and the coaching staff is working together and the coaching staff is, looking at the data and, and marrying the two. I, I don't think even though I'm wearing a, an analytics shirt, I don't think it should be all analytics. You know, like there is a level of humanity in it where the manager needs to blend his Act. gut, his gut and the data together and make a yes. decision. Like I, I do, and each game is different too. It's not in a vacuum, which is why the data matters, but mm -hmm. I do want a manager to use their gut. So if, if, he is if Grafal is down with you know listening to the front office and making it a collaboration, then I think it'll make a big difference. But ultimately, right. the players have to perform to their levels in order for the White Sox to be successful. And, and if they don't add you know anybody of significance, then I don't think they're I don't think they'll make the playoffs again. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's that's a great transition right there in regard to adding somebody of significance. Um, the White Sox here, you know, let, let's let me put you in the shoes of Rick Hahn, the guy that you've uh, you've had a lot to say about so far, right? So say you're Rick Hahn and you're being told, you know, after you get all the guys from arbitration that you're signing, right? The the Lucas Giolito, the who else is under art? Raywo, Raywo is going to come back. Um, so you you sign all those guys and you know you're Rick Hahn and you go to Kenny, you go to Jerry and you're saying, "Hey, how much do I have to work with?" And they say, "You got 30 million to work with." What are you targeting, prof? 
Tell me what you're going for. Uh, I would take a shot. Like they're they're obviously too right-handed, especially when Yasmani and Mancata weren't in the lineup. They're definitely too right-handed. Uh, fucking neighbors, man. <laughs> I know, right? Comments uh, are fantastic. Uh, but I think that they need another left-handed bat, preferably. Like I'll just take a good bat. But <laughs> if you know. I'd probably take a flyer on Conforto. Um, I don't think he's going to be asking for a long-term deal because I think he's going to try and, and – Prove it deal. A prove it deal, yeah. So if he's looking at a year, um, I, I would I would go after him. He's a solid defender, um, high on base percentage. I know some people who are anti-math you know, math and numbers because it scares them. They don't like the, the low average, the 240, 250 average. but. Shit. Um, you know, he gets on base a lot and he hits for power. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoulder doesn't scare me too much. Uh, he's 20. I think he's 29 now. I think he was 28 last year and a solid defender too. Yeah. I mean, he's not spectacular, but he's good and he's got a and, cannon. Yeah. Um, so I would take him. Um, I think I'd probably also go after, uh, a, a John Segura. Um, the second base market is garbage. Um, and he's 33, but, you know, I don't if three year deal till he's thirty six, his his bat probably plays until then. Um, you know, I think those are two big holes that you know. Uh, I, I, they need offense. They need offense yeah. that masks bad pitching at times. I don't think their staff is bad by any means. I like the Clevenger signing. Yeah, um, you know that's high. Clevenger's risk. a nice signing, actually. Yeah, low risk, high reward, and yeah. you know he he claimed it was coming off knee uh, problems, which may have – his VLO was down like a mile and a half. Uh, so I don't worry about as much as that second Tommy John is as, as much if that's the case. Yeah, and right now it sits at that they're at about 139, 140 in current payroll. Mm-hmm. And from Rick's comments, I mean, he did say that they would be around the same. You know, I, I, I can assume maybe around 190, 195, you know, at the most. Yeah. I mean, so they were over 200 last year. Yeah. So, year. I mean, you're looking at another $40 million probably, you know, close to 50. So you can, you know, sneak in one of those, you know, I mean, free agent wise, um, yeah. you know, I've, you can even make Gavin sheets, one of your bench players, right. And get, both Conforto and like a Gallo or someone like that, like do the smart thing, but you know, you know, that's, I'm not opposed to, and I don't necessarily have the answers for it. I'm I'm not as smart as, uh, you know, guys like rude or anything like that, but, um, I'm open to like a platoon in the outfield too. Like if you want to have two players to equal one player and you want to have a right-handed bat and a left-handed bat and you start, the righty on lefty days and the lefty on righty days. Like I'm cool with that sort of creativity too, because there's plenty of bats out there that hit Larry Garcia opposite. Oh God. And, and I don't even mind Larry. He was just overexposed. You know what yeah, I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. I should not be playing a hundred games positions on the field. And as a switch hitter is a valuable pool, but he's not a starter and he started too much. Yeah, correct. A thousand percent. And I, I worry that the whites, and here's the thing. I'm actually not worried about it. I think the white Sox are going to patch up second base with what they've got. 
And I don't necessarily think that's the best thing. I think it's trash. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Romy Gonzalez, Layuri Garcia, and Lenny and Sosa, right? But if here's my thing. If it means they're going to go out and get – if if that means they're going to go out and get one more arm and Brandon Nimmo, then I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, Nimmo ain't coming here. I just – I don't want I don't want to rely on a rookie in a window of contention. I, I don't agree. Want to. And the yeah. good teams typically don't. Maybe they bring them up at the end of the year because of need or injury or whatever it is. But I just feel like a lot of a lot of the good teams don't they're not inserting an Oscar Colas into right field, you know, as their opening day starter. They're they're bringing him up mid-year or whatever. Yes, exactly. Or if like an injury happens, like, you know, right. if you do sign a Conforto. Yeah, you do sign a Conforto or a Gallo or something like that, and they do get hurt. Then then you have the luxury of Colas instead of relying on him. Correct. Right. Yeah, That's my biggest problem. And the White Sox do it all the time. It's like, ah, he's a rookie. Let's just throw him in the starting lineup and yep. hope it works. You know, and, and it rarely does. Yeah. Okay. Let's play a fun game here. Start. Bench cut. Leary Garcia, Gavin Sheets, Romy Gonzalez. Cut Romy Gonzalez. Uh, start Gavin Sheets and bench Larry Garcia. Yeah, that's the right choice. I mean, in my opinion, Gavin Gavin gets a lot of crap, but he hit right-handed pitching pretty well. Uh, he, you know, he can't hit left-handed pitching all that well. No, he did no. a little bit better towards the end of the year, but. He uh, again, if he's a platoon bat, I have no problem with that. If right. Give him some starts at DH, some starts at first base, and then you have a, a righty um, that that fills in when a left-handed pitcher is pitching. I'm cool with that sort of solution. Uh, Romy, I, I don't know if he's good, and he's yeah, probably, he's probably not. What is he? Twenty five? Uh, yeah, something like that. 24, 25. Yeah. You know what I mean? 20, 25 years old. Most of those guys, if they're good, they've already kind of at this Played for like three or four age, years now. Yeah. Guys are getting brought up at 19, 20, 21 years old if, if they're good or if they're great. But yeah, you know, 25, yeah. that's that's pretty late to be blooming into a good baseball player. And he's okay, he's fine, you know. Um, but I'm not putting him in a starting lineup, that's for damn sure. Right. So, yeah, no, that, he's 26. I just looked it up. That's 26, bad. even older. I mean, yeah, I'm cutting him easily. He's and again, I don't hate Lurie. It's and I felt I felt bad for him at certain points. I mean, he's making some good coin, but like it's not his fault Tony kept putting him in the starting lineup. Like it, what's he supposed to do? Say no, no, I'm not playing, you know, like and a guy who who is uh can play multiple positions. That's a valuable, even from a defensive replacement, somebody gets hurt that he needs to fill in for 10 games. Cause Tim's on the IL with a hammy. Like he can play shortstop for a little bit. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Gary just, Gary just put his hand over his, I can't you. tell what that's for. Um, <laughs> I think it's because of something I put in the comments. Um, wasn't me. <laughs> um, holy cow! Sorry, I needed a second. Um, what what do you think the probability is that the White Sox sign a guy then that 
can make uh, that that's going to be hey, let's just say top top three player war not pitchers outside of pitchers top three war on the team what's the probability of that you think I mean, if they signed a decent free agent, pretty good now that Jose Abreu is not on the team. I mean, their player war from last year is pretty god-awful. But uh, I, like Kerry was saying before, I think they do have if, – if they're sticking to their around one, 190 to 200 million, you know, I think the odds are pretty good that they're going to sign somebody that is a significant value. I think they have to. Like last year, the fan trust last year was a kick in the rocks for all of us. Like, oh, yeah, I have, it was I have a miserable season. I'm 39 yeah. years old, and I don't know if I've sat through a more miserable season. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. It wouldn't let go of us. It was like <laughs> I wanted them to go on like a 15 game losing streak so that they could just put me out of my misery. Yes. And stop watching. And they made us wait till the end for yes, that. Yes. I stopped watching the last three weeks. That's all I Oh, got. yeah. Oh, fuck it. You know what right? I mean? Like they strung us along the whole time. They'd go through a decent little stretch and then come back and just play like absolute ass against the worst teams, too. Yeah. Like as soon as that Baltimore Orioles series hit, it was like the White Sox got exposed completely, and every team knew, hey, we could just take the extra base on the outfielders because they're never going to throw us out, you know. Like, and it just became a slog the entire rest of the season. That the Orioles series was the was the turning point for me of when like it really got to be not hopeless but borderline. Right. Wait, After- you're talking you're talking about that road series, right? Where Angle drops the ball. Mm-hmm. For was, the final was out, that, right? That was Baltimore, right? Yeah, yeah. He I said thought it was in Chicago, yeah. but I could be wrong. Okay, there was definitely a Baltimore series this year. The one that I'm thinking of, the angle drops the ball and foul territory for the final out, and then the they next lose pitch the game. goes yard, and they end yeah. up losing the game. It was Santander, I think, who hit like two home runs that game. Was, no, I mean, no, was it like the series that that like their outfield was making catch after catch after catch, and it was like spectacular plays that they were I swear it was in Chicago. That was that was a home series. Yeah, that yes. one too. Yeah. Wait, so that was when was that? Just to see how long ago. I mean, you guys keep talking. Billy's telling me it's the one in Baltimore, June, but there was one June at home third, June 23rd to June 24th. That or uh, 26th. That was the series. They went they lost okay. uh 3 out of 4. Okay. And they scored zero, one, two, and four runs. There's just way too many of those games last year. Like, I know people, I think people have like that 2021 trauma in their head where our starting pitching just absolutely imploded against Houston. Starting pitching was good this year, actually. But like, starting pitching was awesome this year. And to be honest with you, they were facing Houston in in the division series in 21. I mean, what did they expect? You had to score runs to beat people, right? You can't expect to score it's it's 2022 2023 you can't expect to beat teams scoring four runs anymore that's no. just not how baseball works no and you're asking your pitching staff to be way too perfect yeah you're asking your bullpen to be way too perfect and not only that but now you're asking your bullpen to be available each night just about when you're scoring that fewer runs like you need some laughers where you can throw a uh, you know a long reliever to eat up some innings because you're up ten to four or ten to two or whatever. Like when you're asking your bullpen because the bullpen early on was pretty darn good. Like particularly Graveman, and I feel like Graveman got used so often he just wasn't as sharp. I know his stats mm-hmm. were pretty good, 
but uh, you know, um, I, I just think you're asking a lot out of your bullpen too to be in that many close right. games with that low of scores because you're just using them over and over again. By the end of the season, they're going to be cashed, and mm-hmm. so yeah, you need to. And that's why, like, I think their staff is fine, but I, I, I need a ton more offense, a ton more offense. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I don't know how you can look at the current roster construction and say, okay, we're going to go just say we've got our money and our resources in relief pitching and starting pitching, right? Pitching is not the issue, right? You've got to look at the offensive numbers. And I know this team in regard to batting average was extremely high, but look at their OPS numbers, right? This is why teams with higher OPSs are more successful than teams with high batting averages in 2022. Well, so. I mean, batting, again, I'm not trying to piss off the traditional baseball people, but I might a little bit. Why, it's one of the reasons why batting averages, it, it's not, it, here's my problem with non people who are scared of numbers, uh, scared of data. Okay. It's not that batting average is useless which is the straw man jesus age that they that they bring to the table it's always an argument that people aren't making (laughs) right like batting average is is useless nobody is making that argument that i know of at least smart people right but it doesn't tell the whole story and it's not as it's not as good as you think it is it's not as beneficial Mm -hmm. as you think it is when you can have somebody who gets on base a lot, but maybe has a low batting average and hits the ball out of the ballpark, like they're driving in runs and they're also on base so that other teammates that hit the ball far can drive in them exactly. as well. Exactly. Exactly. the home run is, it, I mean, the best thing is when people are like, oh, just go the other way. It's 101 miles an hour, you dipshit. You and just it's, and it's moving like yes. no other. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's just easy. You just hit it the other way. And it's like, fuck off. Like, no. God, here you can't – like some of the uh, – Johan Duran throws a 100-mile-an-hour splinker. Yeah. Like That dude's filthy. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do with that? No, none of us are hitting that in 100 plate appearances. Just Jim. No, like, just Jim. Yeah. Those guys like that, you sit on the fastball and the off speed, you're just like, hey, nice job. Yep. You don't, you don't, you can't hit it otherwise, unless you're gearing up. It's just average isn't, isn't like you said, what were they, third? Yeah. Third Something in the like that. Average Manichino effect. Yeah. Here's Frank the thing Frank- all of the single, the reason why they're so high in average is because of all of their singles, right? I think they, did they lead the MLB in singles? I almost want to say they did. <laughs> now, the singles also make up for all of the walks that they don't take as a ball club too. Yeah. They're one of the worst walking this year, ball clubs well, in the league. And especially and this year. Too. Right. That's so, why when you, when you look at, you look at like all of the games last year, I swear to God, they would have like Michael Lorenzen at 81 pitches into the seventh inning. Oh, I remember innings. that. Like, almost every game that the starting pitcher was able to go deep and throw like 75. And the shittiest pitchers too. Yeah, they were terrible. Daniel Lynch. Glenn Otto. I remember Glenn Otto. Like, what the fuck? Because when you don't take pitches, you swing at everything. You don't put stress on them by walking. You don't get on base. Yeah, your average is fine, but none of their on-base percentages were very good. So those are stressful innings when you have guys on base and you're working out of the stretch and you have to you know, pay attention to the runner – instead of the hitter that you're trying to get out, that's when you make, can make more mistakes. So 
when you're not stressing the pitcher and they're throwing 75, 80 pitches through seven, you know, six, seven innings, you know, congratulations. You, you have a high average, but you're not scoring on your runs. Yeah. Thousand percent, thousand percent. Couldn't have said it better myself, you know, and that comes from the guy who played collegiate baseball and, and coached many, right. many, many years. Yeah, it was so. average, average to shitty. I mean, what same with me. We're we're both D we're both D three legends here, Prof. So that's right, CCIW baby, CCIW. Hey, the best D three conference at least, right? It's true. Um, shit. So let me ask you this real quick as we wrap this thing up. Usually we try to keep it within a half hour, but fuck it. Um, two teachers on a podcast, long winded. Disgusting. <laughs> honestly, though, honestly, um, there was this question. I don't know if this is our last question, but this is definitely a question. Carrie, are you the highest right now? I don't do that. You don't do that? What? No? I don't do that. Uh, we're professional here on the yeah, Believe in the Southside podcast. That um, that's for uh, that's I, for the liberals. Yeah, oh, yes, that's right. Honestly, that leads me to my last question perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, tell us what your thoughts are on uh, Lucas G. Alito and his, uh, his work down in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I am personally very disappointed that he is not throwing a baseball 24 hours a day. Uh, he needs to get back to work and work on his craft for 24 hours, seven days a week. And if he doesn't, he is liberal garbage. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Yeah. You hear that at all the, all the major league baseball players who are listening to us right now. Because all of these players are practicing 24 hours a day seven days a week and have absolutely zero time for anything else because they're dogs. Gary, do you, you want to, you want to add on to this? What are your no, thoughts? I, on Lucas I, uh... I don't, I don't agree with him doing charity work. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Of course. Of course. Oh man. You know who would agree with you guys? Our favorite citizen of Arizona. Kidding. Kidding. Um, obviously you guys do not feel that way. And I'm very grateful that you guys don't feel that way about Lucas Giolito and his charity work and actually using his time to do good things outside of the lines of baseball. Only lames would bitch about somebody doing a good thing. I just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) That's too good. Holy shit. All right. Final thoughts. First off, Prof, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Would you like to give any special shout outs here at the end? Uh, any final thoughts on the White Sox going into 2023 or <laughs> people that you love dearly in your life that you would like uh, to give a shout out to? Oh, my God. Uh, neighbors, man, I swear to God. Uh no, not really. No, thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know why anyone will want to hear me talk, but uh, you know, it did Luke. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. No problem. You know, I'll, I'll talk baseball all day. Uh, so we're, I'll talk more if you ever want to have me on again. Hey, absolutely. We appreciate having you on, Prof. Carrie, final thoughts as we wrap this thing up. I'm just happy we got you on here, Prof. One of my favorite people on the app that I've gotten to actually meet and become friends with. Uh, 108 day last year was a ton of fun. Um, and I know this year is going to be a great time with everybody, you know, here on the podcast. And I know the majority of people in the chat too. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that day as well. 
Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to that day. It's uh, always good to see everybody's face uh, and well, some people's face. And uh, not Jim, or yeah. definitely not Jim. Even I can't. He's excited to go. Apparently, there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's no, thanks for coming on though, and I'm, I'm glad we can talk some uh, baseball with you. So any anytime, anytime. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you, Prof. Carrie. Egg Billy's house. Yes, indeed. It I might baseball. join you sometime. Peace out, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.